life is art, mm -hmm. right? It's up to us the meaning we put in things. It's up to us what action we can take. When we stop being reactive and start getting more conscious and being able to choose, we get to be an artist. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Let It Out with me. I'm your host, Katie Delbout. Today's episode was recorded in Bali in the middle of the rice fields at my friend, new friend, Gabriella's beautiful villa. And it started to rain at one point, so I think you'll hear that. So get ready for interesting audio, even more fascinating conversation. I'm not even going to tell you too much about Gabriella. You'll hear her entire life story and hopefully in this episode, it can convey how alluring she is, how fascinating she is, how impactful she is with the way that she distills information and teaches things. She's just a delight and I really enjoyed getting to become friends with her and learn from her and spend time with her in Bali. She's unlike anyone I've ever met in the best way. We talk in this episode about the dark feminine and merging light and dark. She is a healer and a teacher and a performer and an actress. She's from London, but grew up between Brazil and London. And now she lives in Bali and she's just a fascinating person. You'll hear all about it. But again, dark feminine, merging the light and dark. We talk about beauty and ugliness and doing the self-work and deep reflections and being too much and being not enough and healing and moving and change and feeling your feelings and getting into how it's not about thinking, it's about feeling. And she's just fantastic. And I hope you really enjoy this conversation. I made a zine that if you've been listening to the show for a while, you already know this, but it's about heartbreak called the Soothe Kit to help people after a breakup or a divorce or a big jarring change. And the second part to that is called the Solve Kit, where I believe after something so jarring like a breakup, at first you just have to soothe. You just have to kind of sit with yourself and do a lot of self-care and try to just feel your feelings. But then eventually you're ready to what I call solve, which is not just coping, but actually mining the relationship for gems and moving forward and learning and reflecting. And so that's the solve kit, which I made while I was in Bali and before I was working out in New York as well. But Gabriella is one of the guest speakers in that workshop. I don't know what to call these workshop, creative writing, audio presentation. It's kind of like a magazine that you can buy for yourself that's useful. Somewhere between a self-help book, a magazine, an online course, a workshop, and a podcast that is curated. Anyway, I'm making all of these different kits for different topics, and the Solve Kit is the one I most recently made, and you can get it now or be on the, the wait list for that. But Gabriella speaks a lot in this conversation about change and even more in that other conversation. But enjoy her. I love her so much. I think you will too. If you are new to this podcast, stick around. If you have been listening for a while, 
you can fast forward right now and get to my conversation with Gabriella or stay and hear me talk about Let a Podcast Out. Let a Podcast Out is something that I made that helps other people start podcasts because I've been doing this for nearly a decade. I'm close to 300 episodes and I love interviewing and talking to people in this format. It brings me so much joy I get to go all over the world and meet people and do things because of this podcast, not just because of the guests, but because of the people listening. And I get so many questions about how to start a podcast and what to do. So that's why I made this podcasting workshop, which is just everything that I've ever learned about recording and podcasting and sharing and marketing and bringing people to it and and also, you know, eventually monetizing it. But it's more than that. It's a workshop. I run it like a writing workshop where people can all connect over their creative project, in this case being a podcast, and we share ideas and bounce ideas off of each other and collaborate. And we do these really beautiful calls and have this really beautiful community. And it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. So just wanted to tell you about that. I'm doing it again right now. So if you want to be part of it, you can just do the first few modules for free and check it out. And I'm going to host a pre-workshop where we just kind of talk about ideas on my Instagram live. So there's let a podcast out Instagram, the Instagram live at 6 p.m. Eastern time on March 12th. So if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, mark your calendar. You can also watch the replay. I'll put that somewhere that you can watch it. But also if you want to sign up and get these show notes sent right to your inbox, you can do that as well. The link will be on your phone or wherever you're listening. Enjoy my episode with Gabriella, and I will talk to you at the end. Today's episode is brought to you by Cured. Cured is this company that I love in Boulder, Colorado, that maybe you've heard of or heard me talk about on the show, but they make these hemp-derived CBD products, and I love them. They are this really cool company. I got to meet the founders, and they have this farm to product business model that is really, really cool. Their full spectrum tinctures and treats work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without the worry of a psychoactive component. And not many other companies are really thriving with this in-house farm to table business model. And Cured is doing well. CBD is most commonly incorporated into wellness routines to improve sleep, decrease inflammation, and reduce the body's stress load. I think we could all use that. There's honestly so many brands out there now, but I really genuinely love this company a lot. The CEO started using Cured's full spectrum CBD oil on his dog actually to ease their distress and support the seizures that they were having. And so I I just think that's really cool that it can be used with pets. And anyway, it's a household staple for people of all ages. And again, pets too. I love their cookie dough snack. It tastes so good you guys if you haven't had it it's really so good and like i said i got to meet them when i was in boulder a couple months ago actually a year ago and we've kept in touch and they're just really great people and i don't know why but i really think that helps make the snacks better so if you're interested in trying out cured nutrition again my favorite is the cookie dough but get whatever you want go to curednutrition.com that's curednutrition.com and use the coupon code let it out for 15 percent off any order again that's curednutrition.com and use the code let it out for 15% off any order. That link is in the show notes. Be on our show notes, let it out letter list, and that'll come right to you. 
Check them out. Use the code. Thank you, Cured. Thank you for supporting our sponsors and for listening. Thank you so much for doing this, Gabriella. We've been, we've already warmed up the mic. We've been, we did a separate interview for a project of mine and we both were like, this is really fun. We've really gotten in the flow of this. And so I'm excited to to keep talking. You are so inspiring to me, just your presence. And you mentioned to me, we had lunch before this and you were saying that you can go into a space and kind of shift the energy that's one of your many skills and I've seen that happen (laughs) you're really good at holding a space of people Mm. and you've since I've been in Bali you've been so kind to me of bringing me into your world for this bit of time and I'll never forget that I'll never forget how kind you've been to me and the conversations that we have had given me aha moments and I've weeped in your lap as we discussed in the last interview. Um, and I've just felt so held, but also you forced me to kind of look at myself in a way where I can meet you at the energy that you're putting off. And I think that that's a real skill. And so ever since mm. I've really, since I met you, but after a couple of weeks, I was just like, I really want to share everything you're doing. I want everyone to know about you because you have so much to share. Thank you so much for seeing me um, and meeting me. And yeah, it's just such a blessing. We've been on quite the the, the Bali journey together. Yes. So I like Mm -hmm. to ask this question to start. Mm -hmm. What have you been pondering, thinking about what's been on your mind today? Maybe something you're learning today mm-hmm. or in the very recent this very week recent. Oh, it's a good question you got me there so many little things mm-hmm. um but mainly it's around my work understanding exactly as you just put it as well uh, i feel like i i get so much fulfillment and joy out of empowering other women especially but other people men as well our beautiful brothers in, in every way i can i've developed my um my temple journeys and I'm really just asking myself for more clarity in other ways I can continue doing it and maybe a global level or online or other other ways. And as everything in my life, I, I, I rule through my intuition and through insight rather than trying to go from the outside in. So I'm birthing um, other ways that I can share my mm-hmm. story and, you know, everything that I've learned. Yeah. Um, so that's coming to me slowly. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I'm working with. Yeah. What we need to... I'm familiar with the temple journey because I've been on one myself. Mm-hmm. And you you do so many different... You're an artist. I yes. think that's the best way, the best word to describe you. And I think you're a really... I keep using this term. I think I told you life artist of people I really admire who live their lives as a creative person where everything they do, they bring presence and themselves too. And you're someone who definitely does that. Talk about your background as an artist you started off as you actually have let's go even further back from that you have such an interesting upbringing and story so you grew up between South America and the UK yes and do you think that that has informed your artistry and how you create in the world I can't answer that directly Mm -hmm. and at the same time of course, it's right. me, right? I don't know at which level to pinpoint, but it's definitely developed my emotional and social intelligence. 
Mm. And especially because the way I'd behave in one country and then, you know, fly to the other on holiday or whatever with my family and behave the same way and be perceived completely different yeah. and judged differently um, was really interesting to me. And also because my family had so many backgrounds of religions and belief systems. Mm. So I have Jewish tradition, you know, where they were not Orthodox, but, you know, there were synagogues, there were the uh, Shabbat Shalons, and I would be participating on that. And then my mum was also very Catholic, and, you know, my father was kind of doing his tarot. And Your I mean, dad was the Jewish side, or where is the my Jewish? Da- my father was the Jewish okay. side. So Your father's a my te- psychologist. He's a psychotherapist. psychotherapist. Yeah, he's a psychotherapist. He became a psychotherapist in his in his 40s. So oh, wow. He was a musician, or well, he still is a musician, and a writer in his own, you know, right. So it was. I was influenced by many, many different... And my mother also developed her religious views and added, you know, um, Umbanda, which is a Brazilian-oriented, is a fusion of Candomblé, African religion with um, Christianity, and Cardecismo. Cardicist, mm. which is a spiritualist tradition, and she was once purely Cardicist, and then went to this Umbanda. I then met some gypsies who taught me how to do tarot, and this was all very young. And then my dad also did tarot, took me to festivals where wow. people had there was nudity and people like like everything was accepted. It's such a collage of things. Yeah. Such a collage, and because of this eclectic landscapes and backgrounds and social norms and ways of behaving it made me into a shapeshifter yeah so I can go into a very um upper class place and play like almost play the role like a character in a movie Mm -hmm. like oh how do I behave here right and play and test and see where the edges are and what shocks what doesn't and just explore that and then I go to the hippiest, hippiest, muddiest kind of festival and then just go all the way that way and explore that and be a part of that tribe. Right. So much that at school, I was never a part of any tribe. I was a bit of a floater. I, I liked to visit all of those realms. I was just yeah. endlessly curious. And it probably, the being brought up with, with that amount of influence gave me a blueprint mm. and made me intrigued and curious. And one of the reasons why I wanted to act and perform was because I didn't want to choose a personality or an mm. identity for yeah. this life. I wanted to be able to be it all. Yeah. So if I can play this character and be really mean and be able to access that, and then if I can play this character, she just dances in distress and I can really go there. And it's just like, it sounds so much fun. I don't have to be anyone. I can be everyone. It was yeah. just so, so exciting. So it just, that's why I guess I, I enjoy in being so present because mm-hmm. I get to engage and with the the mundane we see as mundane but then the minuscule little things that we miss out yeah and i get to play with it all and it's just so so freaking exciting get more specific about <laughs> your parents and your siblings and exactly what was the situation of being back and forth because i think that's really interesting yeah so that is probably the most traumatic story and part of of me so I went to the whole like results of that so going through the experience Mm -hmm. was at the age of eight uh, my parents sat me down and told me that they were going to separate which is a traditional (laughs) problem we've all addressed as kids or most of us Uh divorce Um, and you have two older siblings two older siblings I was the youngest and the only thing about having separation for me and for my parents, wasn't just like, okay, we're going to move out. We're going to just be a couple of neighborhoods 
around and we can kind of visit each other. Right. It was drastic. <laughs> Back in the 90s, early, early 90s, there was no Skype. There was no right. like big social media. It was like me and you, which was my mother saying, we're going to Brazil, to Rio. And your father and your siblings are going to stay in London. And that, all of a sudden, that perfect household, bohemian yeah. household, full of adventure, being the youngest one, with my siblings bringing friends to the yeah. house to party and just just that kind of electricity of the yeah. house. All of a sudden, I'm like, we're going on a very different adventure. The pain I felt when that was told to me made me believe that it was not safe to love as much as I did mm. because losing them was too painful. Yeah. So I, I shut down in a way and it made, it made me grow up very fast. Mm -hmm. my mother said um that I was a very good girl and I didn't I cried on the day they told me but the next day I woke up I'm like okay we're on a mission let's do this when do we go let's just get on with life yeah I grew up big time resilient and I yeah and I took care I guess of my mother and made sure and I became that rock mm -hmm. um wanting to make sure everyone was fine yeah so I kind of put myself aside yeah and I was living out that pattern for most of my life until very recently. Perhaps even thinking about it now, Bali was the boldest step that I took. I'm the furthest, furthest away of my family that I've mm. ever been. And I'm here because of myself. Because if it yeah. was for, for them, I'd be there. Yeah. And this is the time where I'm like completely selfish. Yeah. And it's I say selfish and it has a very negative connotation and it's just the self-love and so much so that the vibrancy of living my truth means my parents, my siblings radiate the same love and happiness because they see me so happy mm. and fulfilled that they don't even dare to take me away from my joy because totally. that's what they really ultimately want is to see yeah. me happy. Yeah. So, but it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was. <laughs> <laughs> It was definitely heartbreaking. Yeah. And with that, living in Rio during the 90s with no Skype, I get to speak to my father ever so often and my siblings because telephone calls are very expensive. And I'd see my father once a year and my siblings once every two years. Mm -hmm. This is a rough estimate. So... Not being brought up by my father, having like an absent father, even though rationally I had his attention, I spoke to him on the phone and whenever we saw each other once a year, it was an intensive. Yeah, all in. Passionate almost, right? So that's yeah. why I was so addicted to passionate love affairs after mm. that. Three months and then I'm done with it. It was just wow. this blueprint of being oh, yeah. with the man of my life, right? My father figure. For that one month where it was attention for the both of us and then for the rest of the year he would disappear. Mm. On a biological level, even though we can rationalize on a biological level, the father wasn't there. He was absent. Right. So even though I can be conscious of that, you still know it in your primal self. It, yeah. It, 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 I was on my own. Right. So what about the two cultures of Rio and London and, and back and forth? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the social intelligence that I mentioned before. It's mm -hmm. my behavior and the way I dressed and things like that were seen different. And of course, wherever I went, there I was, an exotic person, mm -hmm. a foreigner. In Brazil, I was known as the English girl. In London, I was known as the Brazilian girl. Mm. And here in Bali, every time someone addresses me, they change. It's either British or Brazilian, and it, and it, and wow. it kind of shifts. 
yeah so it's it was intriguing to have such because Rio and London are so different right widely different that it gave me this beautiful wide landscape to play with mm-hmm. where I realized that there was no underlying truth one set of ways of being mm-hmm. one right one wrong I could see the beautiful things in between that shifted and changed depending yeah. on who was looking at it whose perspective was on it who was judging it I could see through their lens right. oh they're saying that because of their culture because they're up and then it expanded into their upbringing into their religion and you start seeing how people are seeing through the lens of what they've learned in their own lives and, right and it just made me much more curious and compassionate and, and tolerant and, and also curious to play and venture into their world right and so that I'm sure informed you wanting to explore emotion in your work as an actress so did you after you lived with your mother I know Rio you were in a band and you were like that place seems like it informed you yeah my band in Rio was so was that the next thing me. after did you want to stay in Rio or go back to you eventually you ended up back in London yeah so so to get the chronological I was there I arrived in Rio at the age of 10 mm-hmm. and I lived there for 11 years seeing my father once a year so eventually I knew that it was time to go to the London mm-hmm. and to be able to catch up or yes. you know spend some time with him I delayed it a little bit and I really thought okay logistically the most intelligent thing to do is to go there maybe for my university mm-hmm. so I waited till then and then around then I discussed with my mother I don't think she was very fully prepared for me to just leave and mm-hmm. she'd be completely on her own so we held some space and time to get used to the idea that I was going to go to London mm-hmm. that's after 11 years and so eventually I, I moved to London didn't do uni <laughs> Didn't is that when you started acting no acting I started as a child uh, dancing and acting wow. as a little kid even in London back in London so you're a child actor yeah you could say that wow you could say that so I like that <laughs> tell me about your creative life before you got into the work you're doing now you were acting you were dancing you were performing you were in this band I feel like that all of those skills are so transferable to what you do now of oh, holding space of being you're so incredibly dynamic. You have this eye contact that's piercing. You have this like really big energy that not just doing your work, but holding space when we like go to a restaurant together. I feel like I'm just with this celebrity who like (laughs) knows everything and you're just in, knows everyone and everything. Um, And you're just so, you're very in your body, which I really appreciate. And I feel like Mm. I'm, my hunch is that that was informed by acting and dancing. Yeah. So let me try and, and, and resume this. I, my father's a musician. Mm-hmm. So I was therefore influenced from a very young age. My mum has always been incredibly playful and fun and listening to Brazilian music and going to Brazilian culture, which is very, very fun and playful again. I did ballet when I was a little, little, little kid. I remember one ballet class, mm-hmm. not through photography, by memory, and this particular lesson. And... I asked my mother, I didn't remember this, I asked my mother to leave ballet because I thought it was boring because I wanted to do jazz, probably because all my friends were doing jazz, I can't remember. So I ended up doing jazz 
So mainly from very young, I had a much more of a dance movement background mm-hmm. and influence in my in my life. And so I learned to tell stories through my body and mm-hmm. gesture. Um, and I remember even in this school play, we there were some dancers, girls that had been asked to be these killer whales um, in the scene. And I remember really wanting to be a killer whale. And I and I was a bit fearless back then. I was just like, wow, I wish I was like that a bit more. I went to, to the teacher and I asked, what do I have to do to be a killer whale? It would be my dream to be a killer whale. And I eventually did uh, be a killer whale. <laughs> but Congratulations. Thank you so much. It was amazing. I remember my leotard. <laughs> and my mum was very supportive of that. And so she'd come and film. Mm. She'd help make my costumes. And I was very this much This is in Brazil or London? London mm-hmm. still. And so I did um, modeling. I did uh, lots of school plays and dance classes, as much as I could get my, my hands on. Mm-hmm. And moving to Rio, it was kind of a, a moment of that I froze, right? Emotionally and everything, mm-hmm. the transition. I didn't speak the language properly, Portuguese. I had to learn very quickly and quite intensely. So that became my big project. So everything really froze. At some point, I picked up again. And I did a, a theatre class, ended up doing an end-of-year play. The play was <laughs> made a uh, collaboration with another director, and both of them decided to make it into a professional play. Mm. So I was 14 years old, and I earned my, ever, my first ever salary and a play in Rio. Wow. And it was exceptional. I spoke English on the play. It was, it was really good. But that's also when I experienced bullying. Mm for the like first time where I, I felt unsafe to be me to be big to be bold to be all this oh. that you're talking about it's kind of right. come full circle to give myself permission now to really allow myself yeah. to be the embodied person that we all come to this life as as children right. when we tap into the inner child when they were free and when they were in their own world that mm-hmm. world that we were creating what would it look like what did you enjoy doing so you had that and then that was a fragment oh. where it broke I had I had bullying and it was so painful that my mother ended up taking me out of the theatre and that was a big break and after that many years later I was I would get involved in a school play or another in Rio it wasn't as much and I really enjoyed it and um but it's still even at school and everything it felt unsafe and when I I ended up doing one year in uni and dropped out in Rio and the same thing happened there and during parties and celebrations I would just be dancing and playing with the walls with the windows with the people and I triggered a lot of people and so again I backed out mm. and that's and that's when I decided I wanted to go back to London and I started to receive a message that I was a good dancer movement from some people. It started to show up a little bit more. I started to wonder about that. And so I took ballet lessons because I was at a point where I had to decide my career. I was very much into fashion. I used to draw clothes when I was a kid as well. Amazing style. I love, love dressing up so much. Just have so much fun with it. And I remember I could go in either direction. So I took ballet class and I took sewing classes. I thought to go back to the roots mm. if I'm going to make clothes and I have to know how it's made. Yeah. If I'm going to do dance, I need to find that kind of core practice of ballet, right, yeah. with the language of ballet. So I did that. And in the meantime, I started to get together with my friends from uni, a few friends that I had, mainly guys. And we would 
get together in their garage or in their home and start improvising. None of us were real musicians. We just wanted to jam. Your whole band doesn't improvise. You would improvise shows, right? So, and yes. it's like a huge band. How many people in the band? You're the only girl, right? Practically the, almost the only girl. It's, it's usually when I'm there and I'm performing, I've, I've interacted with the girl here and there, but they can be shy or I try and encourage them uh-huh. up and it doesn't usually happen. The the core group I could say is probably 12 of us wow. or something but it, it expands all the way to maybe 30 people because it's a collective of artists many of these so cool. guys now are fine artists they, mm-hmm. they, they they work in that field so at the same time it's basically an installation so they do all the lighting and they put up their art and we perform in the moment in the zone channeling improvising but this is, was a long journey. At that point, we were just a few kids getting in a garage. Mm-hmm. What happened is somebody would come and witness. And then they next time they would come with their girlfriend. And then next time the girlfriend would bring some friends. And the next time they're cool. And it just started growing to a point where one of my friends one day turned around from the band and said, hey, I'm doing a party at my house. It's going to be really big. Please come. And I was like, sure, I'm going to come. And then he showed me the flyer. I'm like, wow, you've got flyers. And then I saw the name of the band, Shibatonics, on, on the flyer. And I'm like, who's this band? Who's this band? <laughs> And I, when I arrived at the venue, and I was like, well, tell me who's this band? And he looked at me and said, that's us. <laughs> I almost froze. I'm like, no, we are not performing in front of a massive crowd. He's like, yes, we are. This is it. And that was a turning point. And years and years later, they're doing, they're still gigging. It's, it's such a beautiful improvisation that whoever's there in Rio gets to perform. And we don't even know who's going to show up on stage mm-hmm. and what, what musician, what, mu- what musical so instruments cool. are going to be played and who's going to sing and it's everything is is decided in the moment how cool yeah it sounds like you you said that you set yourself down because you were being so big at when you had that bullying happening and in so many ways was the band a catalyst for you to start to what ended up happening most recently in in bali was that one of the catalysts to allowing your bigness and allowing your expression Yes, I, I would say there's there's two things, but let me just please <laughs> express my gratitude of my brothers from this band from Shibatonikis, meus irmãos brasileiros de Shiva. So much gratitude, absolutely. They not only supported me, they encouraged me. Mm. I'd arrive and they'd be like giving a microphone in my hand and basically kicking me on stage. So it was cool. just so beautiful. Yeah, like definitely I felt protected, safe mm. and contained by my brothers. The yeah. men were really holding space for me as a woman to be completely wild and free. How cool. Absolutely. So cool. So leaving that and going to London, was that challenging? By then I had broken a lot of beliefs. Um, it was It was challenging. And so in London, I ended up doing a dance diploma and somebody told me about a Brazilian company and I was still a bit timid of being my fullness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to do an audition with this company to see if I was going to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And when the choreographer turned around to me and said, can you give me more? Is it a bit more passion, mm-hmm. a bit more? I remember that moment. I've been going, waiting for ah! this. <laughs> Finally, someone wants more yes! from me. Oh. And I was just, and just like there, she gave me permission and yes. I was, and she's like, you're hired, you're on board. Uh, it was such a relief. That's the thing, right? Relief. Like, I feel like I have that so much of like, it just takes one person when you're young to be like, you're too much, you're too loud, you're too something for us to start 
Yeah. And, and the other way, you're not enough. It's you're we're too much or we're not enough. <laughs> and it's yeah. always trying to like, I feel like I've danced between those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were still stepping stones at the end of the day. She told me that in a, in a container where it was theatrical, there was a stage. So I still would please be a lot on stage, but mm-hmm. when you're off stage, please be less. Mm. So I only had permission to really go there when I was on stage. So I decided I would be a performer. Mm-hmm. That would be my only place to have my outlet mm. to really express the fullness of life. Mm. So that was that was that decided. And slowly, of course, in that world, you start meeting other people who have the same similar kind of way and they're learning and they're tapping in and they're expressing themselves. Yeah. They become your friends. You start going out on adventures, traveling, going to parties together. And you all unapologetically in a tribe, you just be yourself because you've got the support. So this is the one thing that I would advise to anyone, if I had to give some advice, is to find your tribe mm. first and your strong allies. People yeah. who are willing to go there and play with you and, and, mm-hmm. and be the totality of you without trying to dim you or make more of you even. Yeah. It's like just fully, fully there. Yeah. We are all innately playful. Yeah. We've had so many good conversations. You've given me a lot of advice around this and just a lot of insight. I mentioned you are someone, to me, very embodied, very present. You like yourself. You're comfortable as yourself. And I I know it's been layers to get to this Mm -hmm. place that you're in. You have great style. How did being a performer and a dancer... Have you always felt that way in your body? And what what helped? No, I haven't always been this way in my body. And maybe if I had alcohol in my body, I'd just allow that part of me to mm. shine a bit more. I was very, at school, I was, I was maybe, and I had a confirmation where boys in Rio would tell me later that it was threatening. I was threatening. It was scary for them to be with someone so loud and vivacious and, mm. and big. So I really desperately needed to fit in. And so I dimmed myself to fit in, as we all do. I remember being very self-conscious going to the beach in Rio, Mm. if you know anything about Rio and beach culture. So it took me time. It took me time to get to know me. And I still have some, like I'm aging and my butt isn't the same as it was when I was dancing every day. And I still have moments where I go, oh, but I catch myself. Mm -hmm. And I stand tall with it because at the end of the day, I've lived enough to know that it's not my appearance that is going to be the one that shines. It's the frequency I'm in. It's the confidence behind that. So if I have a problem with accepting something about me, then I'm the only one who can empower me. If I'm waiting for somebody else to validate and say, oh, you're beautiful, this, it can feel good. But if you don't believe it, it would just come through one ear and another. And for a long time, I would get off stage, for instance, or something like that. And people would be like, oh, it was amazing. And, it, yeah. and because I didn't believe it, it didn't matter what they said. Right. And then it's a drug that you're wanting more of. You get Maybe it's fleeting. You get it for a second, and then you just need more of it. Yeah. So if, it's, if you can find that furnace within to yeah. turn on. Yeah. You gave me a really good two things that stuck with me. One, I think when we had dinner, where I was talking about just a lot of body stuff of not feel not accepting myself not liking myself and you just you're you have this really way about you where you're always 
deadpan looking at me <laughs> and like seeing through me and like you're very good at doing that with me and with your clients and with people in your life if you can just see into people see patterns we were talking about this at lunch that you have this yeah. kind of like you've always been good at math and you have this logical kind of brain that Same maybe persons, yeah. yeah but you said if you don't like when I don't like my hair my hair is feeling dull how can I love it or like how can I maybe you, you, I'm putting words into your mouth you can you can explain this mm -hmm. better but what does it need that was one talk about that and then there you said something else too about like lean into being ugly like can you just be yeah so those two things is to feel whole and complete and we speak about this so much it's like mm -hmm. embodied wisdom and feeling whole and if you're desperate to be beautiful that means you're trying to bypass the part of you that's desperately doesn't want to be ugly mm -hmm. And you create a fragmentation and a power struggle within you. And you are living your life around this need of being seen beautiful. And that is the goal of your life. Mm -hmm. When you have that fragmentation, you, you should, we, we're looking for integration, right? And integration isn't just a balancing act. It's, oh, I feel a bit beautiful, a bit, a bit ugly. It's about being both at the same time. And sometimes to get familiar that we need to go to extremes, to the polar opposites, to the power struggle, really visit those extremes, visit those until you suddenly the paradox is there and you're both, you don't even care. So when I'm dancing or when I'm being playful with people, I sometimes on purpose make ugly faces or mm -hmm. make sure my hair looks in a weird way and test people to see if they're going to look at me differently. Mm -hmm. And see that, sh that sh and it's playful. And then I can turn into this goddess and I can know how to put it on. And my posture changes in my eyes and my, you can't You're really, doing, I know. Yeah, I wish can. this was not a just audio production right now. She's seducing me. It's working. And then I can be really ugly. Yeah. And like really crooked. And it's like, embrace it all. Yeah. They're all tools for something. Yeah. And also being an actor, you can't be afraid to like have your hair gone or go into playing a villain putting on weight for a character a lot of ego a lot of uh, a lot of that desperation to be perfect needs to be cut down there's a lot of that development mm -hmm. for actors so I don't see it any different because when you say I'm an artist I think life is art mm -hmm. right it's up to us the meaning we put in things it's up to us what action we can take when we stop being reactive and start getting more conscious and being able to choose mm -hmm. we get to be an artist totally so leaning into being ugly and really allowing yourself. And can you love yourself yeah. even though you're ugly? Yeah. And being playful with that place. Yeah. Because nothing's permanent. And then the other thing is, mm -hmm. is the hair as, again, is like your friend or is this other being. So today my hair is flat. Tomorrow it's full. Today it is curly. Tomorrow it's a bit frizzy. And I just let it be. Mm-hmm. Part of that is Bali. You really don't have a choice here. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's allow it to have its own personality mm -hmm. and its own person. Of course, you can mold it. You can play with it like clothes and you can just des design it. And, mm -hmm. But it's doing it out of a place of emphasizing something that is already naturally there rather than trying to change its own nature. Mm -hmm. If I was to come to you and try and change you, desperately i'm sure your energy would be depleted i'm mm -hmm. sure you would become more and more dull about your life so why is your hair your nails 
you know, parts of your body, your inner emotional world, all these things, they're all your, your physical pain, right? We touched mm-hmm. upon that. We need to observe them as if they're being. Right, right. So let your hair be and then it's like, oh, it's it's really dry today. And it's like, well, maybe it just, you know, what what do what do you what would you like hair? Yeah. You, is there something you would like from me? And yes, I'd like you to smother coconut oil right. during the night and get a head massage. Yeah. Just do that. And the hair will bounce up again. What about style? You have such a specific style and like a confidence about you. What would your advice or insights around that be? Because sometimes I feel like it's like a chicken or the egg thing of like, does that inform how you show up in the world of it seems like you have fun with it and you enjoy it. And it feels like you're, I really admire people whose insides match their outsides. And we were talking a bit about friendship where I have someone in my life who I really admire and that one of those things is that that style, like wanting to be around that. Mm-hmm. It is really probably simple. Have fun, if you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even um, the what's her name? The Spark of Joy woman, the Japanese um, lady, Marie Kondo. Yes, even yeah. Marie Kondo, like that beautiful, simple Spark of Joy. Mm-hmm. It's following your joy. Yeah. It's really that simple. And if you're not familiar with what that joy feels like, which is majority of us, then become familiar with other sensations. Maybe the sensations give you relief, sensations that give you some sort of satisfaction or some sense of wholeness or it doesn't really matter. And get rid of the things that don't belong to you, that you're just, you know, it's it's really that simple and be playful and, 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 and enjoy yourself more. Yeah. It feels like we're in your, we should set the scene for people. We're in your beautiful house, sitting outside, looking over the rice fields after the rain. It feels like every aspect of your life really suits you and your work and and where you're heading into. And like you've been incubating for a while and you're like about to open. That's this like intuition I get. And this is your first podcast, (laughs) which I'm, uh, which is a huge honor for me. And I think that, like, how, I'm, I'm curious how you feel about that and where, like, what are you most excited about? Because you mentioned earlier, you feel like moving to Bali, and that's kind of where I want to go next, was when you, you put yourself aside and you really fully picked up yourself when you, when you moved here. So how are you feeling about where you are now a year later? And then we'll go back. <laughs> I feel fucking amazing. Yeah, you've seen it. <laughs> it's 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 amazing, but I've allowed it to unfold before me. I've I've got out of the way, and let me explain what that means to me. Mm-hmm. Not controlling so much mm. what our little minds and brains think yeah. they know what it wants. We get can get clinged on and identified mm-hmm. with, and we want it to happen no matter what. We don't realize that there's such an incredible amount infinite amount of gifts and blessings that you can't even fathom that you can't even imagine so when you let go and you just do the work when it shows up and believe me they talk about manifestation and all these things which can get a bit woo woo but it's like i i had to go through some healing on my lower chakras because of my territorial shift in when i was the age of 10 which was my big trauma and even before that my parents would move house every month every two months and so I was this gypsy and I kind of like, oh, I adopted this identity because mm-hmm. I keep moving and I'm a bit of a floater and I'm a bit of everything and everywhere. And so 
this need of like, oh no, actually I want to settle down, but I want to keep floating, but I want to settle down. So again, yeah. I had that power struggle within me and I had to really do the work. And once I did the work and I visited the inner child, the inner child all of a sudden showed up. I had a friend on the phone. I was in Thailand. So my friend was here and I just called her and I said, look, something's happening and I just need to be heard. Do you have some time? And she's like, go away. So, okay, I'm just going to rant right now. And the funny thing is, is that I was triggered by something irrelevant to this process. And it was something not even to be that triggered about. So I'm at this point in my life where I know that that trigger is creating an emotional reaction that's disproportionate to what had happened. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was something underlining it. The charge was way too great for what had happened. Mm -hmm. so I called my friends so look, look I'm going to rant about this situation the situation is so minuscule I understand this but let me get to the bottom of this and I ended up getting to the bottom of this and my inner child showed up and I cried and I literally just mm. cried and I just want a home mm. and I didn't even know how much I wanted it I get to tell you guys about a sponsor of today's episode. It's a meal kit company called Every Plate. Stay with me. I know there are a plethora of meal kits out there, but this one is the most economical of all of them. And what I really love about them, which is very important to me, is that all of their boxes and separators are all 100% recyclable. And think of it this way, it's so economical that one meal with Every Plate is about the same price as one cup of coffee. Every plate dinners are this cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery for sure, and definitely going out to dinner. And the recipes all come together in about 30 minutes. And you know, that's definitely faster than going to the grocery store, figuring out what you wanna make, Googling recipes for hours. Maybe that's just me because I'm so indecisive. But anyway, it's less time deciding what to cook. And that means more time spent enjoying good food. Every plate has these easy to follow recipe cards with the ingredients that get shipped right to you. But what I did, I got to try it and Amanda got to try it. You can keep these recipe cards and make the ones you really love again. So you get to choose what comes with you. You can cancel it at any time. Check to make sure your zip code is included to their shipping area, but they're expanding their shipping zones all the time. So it probably is. Again, meal kits are so well known now, but what sets every plate apart is that even at the regular price, every plate is about 58% cheaper than other major meal kits out there. Which I think is really cool because when you're staying in, you want to save money, you know, because when you go out to dinner, that's more of an experience and, and that, you know, might cost money, but you guys don't even have to pay the regular price because you're a let it out listener. So you can get three weeks of every plate meals for only $2.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com. That's everyplate.com and entering the code, let it out three. Again, get three weeks of every plate meals for only $2.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code let it out three. That's up to a $72 savings, and that's about 40% off three boxes of meals. Enjoy, get cooking. Let me know what you make. I really want to know and see, and feel free to invite me over for dinner. Honestly, wherever you live, I might come. While we're already interrupting this episode, I want to again mention Let a Podcast Out, my 
workshop for helping people start podcasts. This is what I call DIY podcasts. These are podcasts telling stories. These are podcasts talking about whatever you want to talk about, co-hosted projects, individual projects, interview projects. I have helped people start so many different podcasts, podcasts that probably a lot of you guys listen to. And it's my favorite thing I've ever done. And I'm so grateful that I get to do it. So if you have an idea for a podcast and just want to test out the course, you can do that for free and take the first few modules. That would be really cool. Let me know. And also I'm doing a Instagram live hangout on the 12th. Let me know if you can make it. If not, that's cool. You can watch the replay. And I would really love to have you. I love doing this. And if you want to start a podcast and you think that there's not room for you, I just want to tell you right now, no one has done it like you have. So I think you should. So this is to bring people up to speed. This is like over a year ago, you'd had a hard breakup before. This is before you moved to Bali. Yes. And you maybe, maybe mentioned like the impetus of what was going on in your life and why you were in that space. This this story that I just said, mm-hmm. it was um, in August this year. Oh, so, so you had already... I was already in Bali. So what was... Go back then for everyone listening. What was the impetus of, of coming to, to Bali? Because you said that that was really when you picked up yourself and like started to embody what you are now was moving here. So this is how shadow work works, right? I desperately wanted to connect with my greatest, deepest power. So I took myself into a relationship with a man where I could get very, very disempowered mm. to the point where I was get, taking on way too much responsibility. Yeah. To the point where I didn't even know what I wanted anymore. To the point of despair, to the point that I was embarrassing myself as how disempowered I felt. Yeah. But I wanted that at an unconscious level. And many of us women tend to want that because we have lost our power in many ways in the way society is brought up so it's no it's it's not a bad thing how do you call this in brackets yeah she's doing quotes <laughs> oh quotes <laughs> whatever same thing whatever plus, plus and minus yeah. sign. Uh-huh. <laughs> of finding ourselves in disempowering position mm-hmm. that job getting a less salary and in relationships with abusive men um, because we're craving a place to go mm. to that extreme. We want to be cut to the bottom, bottom, bottom of that extreme so we can really desperately go, okay, the fuck this. Yeah, like a rock I'm bottom. I'm going to claim my yeah, power. Like yeah, darkest before the dawn. Absolutely. So I really took myself in a situation where I was that. And this was in London this with was your partner? London with my partner. With my, he was my fiancé at the time. Mm-hmm. And your acting, is that your primary, like what you're, what's happening in your world during that time? Was I acting? I mm. wish. I was so disempowered. Mm. I was, I tried to work in a, jo- a job at the school. It was really, really, really ugly. I was working in a bar in the evenings, which is what I didn't want. I was still doing entertainment jobs as a dancer, which is what I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I was very lost, mm-hmm. um, very lost. In August last year, so a few months before this, and... I had Mary Magdalene um, show up to me like three, four years ago. So her presence was always there. Mm. And I think she's the one who really took me to that place where I needed to go. Um, After Mary Magdalene, you know, showed up in Mm -hmm. very powerfully, her presence and a meditation under a full moon, all the woo. Yeah, you're going to have to tell that story. Uh, So we'll just set that aside. (laughs) (laughs) That's coming. Yeah, yeah. 
um, I ended up having a massive heart awakening. I went to Mary Magdalene Church that was 10 minutes away from where I was. It was all those synchronistic things. I kept following. Such a beautiful story. Follow the yellow brick road, right? Yeah. I kept following, following, following. You met a young priest who yeah, like invited was, you in. Yeah, it was the church super me. cool. Um, we talked about Mary Magdalene because at that point I didn't even know who she was. I was like, is she that whore in the Bible, which is really, really goes, to, you know, shows you what I knew. And yeah, it was the most heart opening and exquisite experience, but it only because I allowed myself to feel the pain mm. of the breakup before that. So this is a slight difficult, <laughs> non-chronological going yeah. backwards. I was with a man from my band in Brazil. In Rio. Before the fiancé? Yes. Okay. And as we know, I was practically the only woman. Mm-hmm. And there are about 12 men plus me core members. Rough numbers. Mm-hmm. But that's the impression I would have. Mm-hmm. And we all know the 12 disciples and plus the, right. the number 13, the 13th right. member, the obscure number, right? Mm-hmm. I was there and I, and I had a fling with him. And he was heavily influenced by Jesus. He had Jesus tattooed on his arm and everything. And this was all new to me at that point. And we had a, a 12 days and night affair where we were like in each other's face all the time. And then from one day to the next, he cut like his heart cord, if you can say that, or his connection with me, he just blew it. He ran, he was fearful. I don't know, but I felt it in the core mm. of myself so much that it gave me so much pain that again i knew that it was disproportionate to the love i only been with this yeah. guy for 12 days and nights how can i be in so much pain this is something deeper yeah and this is the archetype of the magdalene she lost her beloved to the, in the cross very young right feeling that loss in that place in that moment took me to being three days and nights in bed crying 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 mm. and allowing myself to feel everything that was the time i said i know enough to just feel now mm. and i cut everything out and I just was there then I had a flight to London um, to the UK was in my father's place in the full moon I did a meditation a very deep meditation and Mary Magdalene showed up in my awareness and I didn't even know who she was so I started researching and then I found the church so I went to the church one thing led to the other many synchronicities later I'm at a tantra festival and I meet Adam yeah it's hilarious very biblical I'm so Uh sorry It's my, so on the it's, nose. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in the subconscious. And because, mm-hmm. I, because of my awareness and wanting to observe the details and the patterns we yeah. talked about, it really made me be aware of all these things. Mm-hmm. So my life can be very cinematic because I'm always aware of all these tiny little patterns. Totally. So I met Adam, who ended up being my, my fiancé. And mm. then we split. And then from Eve, met my Lilith, mm. the dark feminine. So I was initiated through this this relationship. It was an initiation of me losing completely my power. He suffered with addiction. He would break up with me every six months and I'd get back together with him. It was quite an abusive situation. I ended up losing myself and then ended up being aggressive and resentful to him as well. And at that point, when he broke up to me like the fourth time, I knew that that needed to end. I, I asked for a break. And in that break, I decided I could go abroad. And then I started looking for places I could go abroad. Bali seemed like a utopian paradise that, of course, me so unworthy would never reach. Mm-hmm. It's just a fantasy. You'll mm-hmm. never really go there. It's that beautiful place that you'll never go yeah. because life is meant to, for, for suffering. And, and so I just researched some places that I could go. 
And then somebody did say, well, you know someone in Bali, why don't you tell them? And I was like, well, no, you know, it's impossible to get to Bali. But I messaged her anyway. And she came back with a full email with all the information, the amount of money I needed per month. She said she had a driver for me. She even had a place for me to stay that I should come, that I love it. And it was so, she threw out a red carpet. Mm-hmm. It was a no-brainer. It was, she made it so easy. And I was like, okay, Bali wants me. Um, and then I looked up flights. Flights were actually not as expensive as I thought it would be. And I was like, okay, I'm going to Bali. Mm-hmm. I told um, my fiancé at the time that we were going to have a break and then I would go to Bali. And then I ended up asking to go for two months. He gave me the blessing. And a little bit later we met and he finished again from our breakup, from our get, having a break. I don't know if I'm using the word right. Mm-hmm. Having a break, mm-hmm. he said, that's it. Yeah. So thinking I was going to Bali on a, on a break, I ended up coming to Bali broken up. Mm. So I flew out on the 31st of December, had the most abstract New Year's Eve because there was no actual timeline, you missed no actual it. Yeah. to follow because I was going through and past wow. all these different continents and arriving in Bali on the 1st of January in like 2019. And I arrived in tears. Mm. And that was the first month of purging, of pure crying and just letting it all come through. And Magdalene kept showing up in my life, right, um, as I said. And she started to appear, sorry, I skipped a bit. In two, 2018, August, during my relationship with Adam, I followed suit some synchronistic things. I went to a workshop um, because I, a magazine fell on the floor and I saw it and it said the Magdalene workshop. And, of course, I, she when she shows up and shows me the way, I follow. Yeah. I followed to the workshop, arrived late, sat next to the, 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 the space holder and loved the workshop, went back home and she kept showing up in my awareness with my consciousness and I kept wondering what it was. So I emailed her and said, hey, hey you, you keep showing up in my awareness. What do you want? What is there? What's, what's happening? And she's like, well, I'm, actually there's a training that I'm doing that you may be interested in. Have a look. And I didn't even look at it. I was just was like, yeah, great. It's Mary Magdalene oriented. I'll do it. And this is a part that I'll always thank my my ex. And this is probably why I stayed in the relationship because mm-hmm. although he was in so much pain and agony, within that there's also a lot of light and love and I could really see the be- beautiful big heart he had. Mm-hmm. And when he was good, he was so good. Totally, yeah. And it was at a festival in the summer where they looked for, were looking for performers and I had kind of separated and segregated those aspects of myself. And I'm like, no, I'm not a performer anymore. I need to find a serious career now. I'm lost, basically. Mm-hmm. And he convinced me. And if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have stepped up on stage at that festival. And what happened at that festival is I had to improvise, which is what I love doing mm-hmm. anyway. I went into my tent, found my favorite track at the time, saw on the side of a veil. I grabbed the veil. I saw a funky, glittery thing that I brought. I put on that. Had nothing else to wear under as I'll just go naked under. It's fine. This is a pretty, it's a sex positive festival. Mm-hmm. So like anything goes. Mm-hmm. And basically channeled a performance piece that turned into a performance piece that I still perform called Awakening Magdalena, which is now my Instagram as well. Cool. And is kind of epitome of my work as well. So, so tell more about, about your 
about your work. What is the dark feminine? How do you work with it? How do you work with Magdalene now? So everything I'm going to say here mm-hmm. is my own truth. Mm-hmm. These are things that I've experienced myself. You don't have to quote me unless it relates to you and you feel like it resonates great. If it doesn't, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm self-taught. A lot of uh, my realizations and ideas comes from meditating and having my, as you call it, downloads. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about you. Like Before you get into it, you are so spiritual and tapped in and clearly connected to lots of things. But you can talk about this and like a, you can make a joke and you can laugh about things and you can like kind of talk about the hilarity of things in this grounded way, which makes it accessible and relatable to someone like me who needs it so much, but mm. might have that resistance. Mm. And so anyway, go, go on. But I just like that about you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's lovely to hear. And I'm, and I, as I said, when you asked me, what are you still working on and what are you processing right now? A lot of it's still coming through me. Mm-hmm. And as you said, my, my real teachings comes from my presence, comes from my transmissions as an embodied woman. I think I connect on a frequency level and something shifts and changes on in an unconscious place. So if I stay on the cognitive brain waves and just this wordy kind of theoretical place, which is what this, uh, you can feel the, the frequency of my voice, but still it's, it's different. So I'm still learning to communicate this as mm-hmm. powerfully as I can on a wordy level mm-hmm. um, through my workshops and teachings that I'm starting to expand. I've been experimenting so the dark feminine is, is, is something that I've now decided to use as a term because it really works with a lot that I'm teaching. And I think it's, it's a term that resonates to a lot of women. You know, there's the wild woman that also is very resonant. If you've heard of the women who run with the wolves, you're familiar with the wild woman. And she says, if you hear this term wild woman and you feel something in your body, it's because she's calling for you. And the same thing happens to me when I hear the dark feminine. And I tell people that this isn't the rise of the feminine, this is the rise of the dark feminine, the part of our psyche that's really been repressed. She's represented by many forms. So we have Kali, we have the the dark mother, Black Madonna, we have all these destructive figures that we're kind of feared, fearful of, you know, the witch and all this, the wild woman and all this kind of chaotic nature. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually when we repress this side of ours, the one that knows boundaries, the one that says yes or no, the one that knows what she wants and doesn't tolerate anything else. When we repress that side of ours, we get to be very angry. And that's when the destructive nature of hers really shows up. But once we become familiar with that side, going through, tapping mm-hmm. into those emotions that we'd rather not, because us as women have been taught to not feel anger, different from our brothers who have been taught to only feel anger. So, when we can tap into that, we understand that, that behind those emotions, especially anger, is a lot of creativity, a lot of inspiring action to take. Mm-hmm. And it really takes up the space. And really, you know, now you get to hear me because I have something to say. And that power that she's not afraid of anything and she can speak her truth, she doesn't care how she's going to be seen. Again, the dark feminine is important to bring her up, but she is nothing and no one without this light feminine, right? Without this compassionate, 
nurturing element, which mm. is we're over celebrated, right? Mm -hmm. Mother Mary and all these figures are really out and proud mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. So we need to keep her, to integrate her with her other half. Yeah. And therefore, when we speak our truth and when we get someone and say, hey, what you did was not cool, we don't need to be reactive because we haven't learned to navigate these emotions. So we go, Rah! Mm -hmm. we can actually communicate in a powerful way, in a compassionate way, because we're still connected with the nurturing element of, of ourselves. Yeah. Because bringing those two together within is really what's empowering. You mentioned connecting Lilith and Eve as mm -hmm. two other archetypes and the merging of those two. Can you talk about that a bit? Is that similar to what you've been just describing? Yeah, so that's the thing. There's so many different terminologies, and obviously we're speaking from a Christian landscape and from from a Western kind of approach. Mm -hmm. So there will be equivalent characters in whichever culture. So it's really, when I say dark and light, you can say Lilith and Eve, and you can say many other things. Yeah. I wouldn't say Mary Magdalene is to say, this is my theory again, this is what I say. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say Mary Magdalene is the dark feminine. I, I say Mary Magdalene is the integration of both. Mm -hmm. She is the one who has uh, made peace with being ugly and being beautiful at the same time. She is the paradox. She is the part of us that wants to really be seen. Mm -hmm. This embodied, unapologetic woman who can speak her truth. There's so much power to that. I had that, that just that piece of like being okay with being ugly, like that and allowing yourself to be seen. We've spoke about when you did your temple ceremony, I was weeping on your lap and afraid to be seen in ugliness and you encouraged it and brought mm. it out of me. And that experience will stay with me forever. The you had this nurturing. It was like I was laying on your lap mm. and that level of I had to do something for a brand on the internet where my face a video of me was exposed to so many people that aren't my people mm. and comments by this happened this week comments by men mostly private accounts but looked like older men about my hair get her a hairbrush about how terrible mm. like all these things that like insecurities I have about myself it's so freeing to just be like so what if I'm ugly, where's my, where's my power of like, that is repression of that is how we suppress women's power is mm -hmm. by making us care about all these other things. So we can't be powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you said it wisely that these men are showing up in your field because there's some way that you still believe totally. so they're there to test you mm -hmm. and men are desperate for guidance and education. Mm -hmm. They suffer a lot with the Madonna whore, Lilith Eve complex. Yeah. They marry the wife but can't fuck her. They fuck but can't love. They segregate these two women. So when they w meet a woman who has both, it's intimidating. Yeah. So when you see a man uh, send something to you, like going, oh, your hair, you can challenge them. Say, what about my hair? It turns you on, it turns you off. Oh, that's a shame. I didn't, that's a, that's a shame that you, you know, that you're so put off easily from life. Right. Life can be so much more blissful. Did you actually hear what I said? Did you, you know, you can really, instead of just reacting and going, fuck off, you don't know anything, you bully, you patriarchal man. And yeah, or victim of, oh my God, yeah. my hair is terrible, which is yeah. more my. <laughs> oh, yeah, the perpetrator victim is a big subject yeah. for me, especially now. And, you know, the Me Too movement is a, 
an, such an important movement, but it also to a point where it's the pendulum swang a bit too mm-hmm. far to the point where men are terrified of asking women out and being seen as a perpetrator mm-hmm. or sending. I heard of a story where a director sent a bouquet of flowers to an actress just saying, thank you for meeting yesterday. I'm really looking forward to our project together. And she interpreted that was like, oh, he's trying to have sex with me. And she exposed him on the internet and uh. ruined his career. So I'm not saying there are people that need yeah. to be held accountable. For sure they do. Right. Um, fuck yeah, let's do this. Right. But there's also the point where we are abusing of our victim position, which has so much power and manipulation and destroying other men and being this reactive pendulum swing instead of actually facing them as an empowered being going like, hey, that's not cool the way you did that. Or, hey, would you send me a bouquet? Are you flirting with me or is this just professional? Because I'd like to know. Mm-hmm. Instead of going behind the back and the story. Right. It's an addictive story that we think we're being, you know, it's like there comes a point where we need to empower ourselves by taking responsibility and facing the people and asking the bold, uncomfortable questions. Let's get uncomfortable. Right. Right. Speaking of the temple sessions that you do, <laughs> Let's get there. maybe we should go back to moving to Bali because was that developed before you moved here? Was that it developed, was developed here? Before. It's, it's still developing is the right answer. But in August, when I went to this training in the south of France, where Mary Magdalene just is smells of Mary Magdalene <laughs> everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, she took me through a process, which I guess is what we call an initiation and created the temple there and temple arts, the rose lineage of sacred touch, anointing one's body, music, energy nurturing and when we created i didn't even know what the training was until i got there right mm-hmm. um, i was totally like trusting the synchronicities it was a remembering what was your reaction to that when you're like because i i kind of had a similar experience to my temple <laughs> ceremony with you like i didn't really read the thing i was just like she seems cool like her <laughs> hair's pretty like i'm in you know and like i had no idea that i was going to be naked like i had no idea that i would be weeping in your lap you know but my reaction was like nah, i'm down you yeah, know whatever but what was were you i feel I like that's excited. similar i was yeah. excited but i had a very very unusual upbringing i had nudity and all sorts so it wasn't it wasn't so shocking i was just curious but it's a very old ancient arts that we were doing, practicing. And it was there and then I was practicing on this beautiful woman who unfortunately had been sexually abused. Mm. And out of the whole group, she came to me and said, I'd like you to do the practice mm. on me. And this was the first time we were going fully, fully nude, where I was touching her whole body. No exception, no editing, no shame, nothing. I will touch your shoulder, your forehead, your yoni, everything with the same intention. Mm-hmm. Nothing's different or awkward. It's like, so you're bringing and bridging those elements. So for the, for the first time she was going to be touched from some such traumatic place, she chose me to do it. And that mm-hmm. already was such an honor. An honor that I was like, it sounds cheesy, oh, it's so honorable. But it, it, I felt it like never before. Mm-hmm. And when I went through the process, it really stood out. The teacher came and really said that it was a beautiful session that she had witnessed. She shifted her, her ear popped and she could hear through her ear that she couldn't. Mm. It was really, tra- and I just, rem- I remember, I just weeped. Mm. And I was like, this is it. I remember mm. now. This is who I've always been. 
And then I remembered that as a child and friends would come over from school and I'd get everyone lying down and put music on and kind of go around and just mm. energy work and, you know, scarves and silks and just kind of bringing that atmosphere. Mm. I remember very young and my father's in festival, we would do that kind of stuff, but it was all very subtle. It was there that the setting with this priestess presence and the nudity and the innocence that came with mm. that as well was something... safety. Safety, definitely a container that you could really drop in and reclaim your innocence, mm -hmm. which is really what it's what it's about. And there and then I knew it. Unfortunately, after that, I, I emailed this teacher and I looked for some extra support to structure it a bit more because it was very feminine based, the teachings. I really wanted to understand the structure so I can continue. And her teaching is more to develop a workshop of what she was doing. She has beautiful constellations that she's creating with three women that um, with vari variations. And it's just absolutely beautiful work. She is stunning. Mm -hmm. I love her work so much. But she, the, the structuring was something that she was really not present for. So I had to find other means. And by having to find other means, the universe always has blessings. Mm -hmm. At first, I was a bit frustrated. And then I realized that there was another way, therefore... And I started to create my own structuring and I developed it since then. And I've changed it many, like the structure is completely different. It's something, the temple journey, I wouldn't want to be too detailed because the whole, the whole point of it is also the mystery. Totally. And stepping into, in, into the dark, right. stepping into the unknown. Well, I'll ask you this. What has the reaction been from people and to you? Because I believe that like, you're doing something that feels correct for you and energizes you. And ultimately it's about helping people. It's about mm. helping women. And I think that's how we're wired is connection yeah. and growth. So what is the, Oh my God. It's, I, I, I hate to say this, but it, I feel so humbled by it again, honored. I'm going to throw that word in again. Every time a woman, a woman feels called to my temple and feels ready to step up so that I can cut through their bullshit, as you, you say <laughs> that I do with you. I do shadow work. That's so why I, I, I go thoroughly into the blind spots. Um, you can really see that in people. Because it, at the end of the day, it's about empowering. And you do that through expanding your unconditional love. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about your ugliness or your pain, unconditional love doesn't mean cutting out the pain or the ugliness. It means loving everything. Mm. It's the paradox. Right. It's the none of it and all of it at the same time. How does this, Impact. how does merging the dark feminine, this sort of shadow work, I want to know, we've had some great conversations about manifestation and that's a topic that I think people are interested in on the podcast. How does this affect manifestation and creativity and integrating these things in your life and the people that you've worked with? So shadow work, you keep attracting and projecting into the world that story that needs to be uncovered, that needs to be seen, that needs to be brought into the awareness, into consciousness, right? From the mm -hmm. unconscious. So until you don't process that, it just keeps on a loop and repeating. Oh, the same type of guy. Oh, the same type. This always happens to me or whatever it is. You want to manifest something different. Right. And then we think, oh, maybe if I focus on something else, something else will happen. But what we don't know is that the, the other thing that we're repressing in our unconscious stays in the shadow realms. And therefore, we only manifest that. Because mm -hmm. that's all truth. Right. 
And because we go probably to the opposite, we create a power struggle again, a fragmentation. So until that's not complete and integrated, the part of us that we're trying to run away from, it keeps showing up. It keeps showing up. So not bypassing that. And let's think positive. This right. new age spirituality, you know, way, way old school now. It's mm-hmm. like think positive and your life will change. No. It's not about that. It's not even about thinking. It's about feeling, mm-hmm. right? And if something isn't being felt, it stays in your body. Mm-hmm. So feel them. Transmute it. Welcome them. As soon as you bring the feeling, whatever it is, the emotion that you've been dying to run from, when you say you are welcome, you are already in love. Mm-hmm. You are already projecting love to this thing, to anger, to sadness. You're welcoming it. Therefore, you're out on the frequency of love. That's the paradox again. Because you're welcoming it in and you process it and then you get to le- learn to the lesson and you get to manifest those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. It's, it's the only way is through. You cannot bypass things and try and, mm-hmm. and manifest from the outside in because, again, you don't even know what you want. Right. I doubt that you want in your mind, I want a house in the right place. If I could imagine this, right? I, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine it. Well, let's close the loop before I ask you the quick fire questions about moving to Bali. You said that moving here was when you really picked up yourself again after, I think you told me in our other interview, two months of crying and grieving and allowing yourself to feel that. And then what you have now, you've, I'll use the word manifested, a partner, (laughs) a house, this this beautiful community that I've become a part of, this beautiful art that you do in several different ways, not just the Mm -hmm. sessions we talked about bring us up to the present of like what mental shifts you did and talk about partnership a little bit if you can yeah do the inner work it's simple as that there isn't like a mind shift or the the shifts in the mind happen due to the inner work do the inner work go there find allies the most important thing find sisterhood if you're a woman find brotherhood if you're a man get to those circles get to a place where you can be vulnerable open up process be witnessed and really transmute these things this is the only way mm-hmm. once you do the inner work your outer world will reflect that yeah that is really what happens and it reflects to a point of real authentic place i would have probably been somewhere else if i was following and controlling what i thought i wanted but by doing the inner work and focusing on that everything shifts yeah my perspective on things shifts because i'm not speak i'm not looking through the lens of resentment or bitterness or pain because I'm keeping it in. I'm looking through the lens of freedom mm-hmm. because I've set them free by letting them be. Letting so, them out. Letting them out. Let it out. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's it's really down to doing the inner work. And of course, always thinking about what you want, always, and I'm not saying don't think, it's but don't be attached to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, focus on the frequency. So it's like you desire something, let's say it is a rice field house, and you're thinking about it, you put it up in a picture, you look at it all day, what's really important is how it feels. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to imagine yourself in the rice fields? That frequency is what really matters because what will manifest perhaps isn't the house in the rice fields, perhaps it's the rice in the mountain. Mm-hmm. Why? Something better, who Some, knows? Something that matches the frequency mm-hmm. because if you're in control and just want the house in the rice fields, you may arrive in the house in the rice fields and not feel anything mm-hmm. and go like, oh, I thought this was going to be amazing, but it's not. Because in our mind, it's just a, the picture is a symbol. Mm-hmm. The projection of what you want is a symbol to help you 
connect with the frequency. Mm -hmm. So once you see the picture, let's say in this case, the house in the rice fields, detach, Mm -hmm. let go, trust that if you keep maintaining that frequency, you shall receive something that matches the frequency, not the picture. Right. Let go of the picture, get back into your body and sustain and cultivate that frequency. Mm, so good okay i'm going to ask you the quick fire questions very quickly because we're running out of time but one question when you are i always ask this when you're having a bad day when you're too attached when you're controlling how do you pivot what are your tools and strategies for coming back to yourself merging the dark feminine and the light what are what do you do to what's your practice who said that we're meant to have a good day every day nobody (laughs) So when a bad day happens, do you just let a bad day happen? No, I resist. Yeah. <laughs> so again, it's this escapism. Mm-hmm. It's the drugs, it's the movies, it's the social media, it's anything to take me away from where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Maybe a bad day is exactly what you need to tap into something that your soul or spirit or body, however you want to call it, the universe, wants to say to you something. It wants to slow you down. It wants you maybe to meditate. You have to ask yourself in that moment. In January, February, when I was crying, I was reconnecting mm-hmm. with myself. Sometimes I was so lost, I didn't know what to do because I was that disempowered. And sometimes it would be like, close my eyes, put my hand in my body and say, what do you need right now? Sometimes it would be put an incense on or have a glass of water. Mm-hmm. Again, don't worry. It's meant to be simple. Mm-hmm. And it would be crazy. As soon as I put an incense on, there would be a flow from there. Mm-hmm. Something would just happen. Yeah. So stop. Go within. Welcome it. I'm having a bad day. Hello. With love. And curi- this childlike curiosity, playfulness. Like a child has a, something's happening. They feel it. They let it out. They talk about it. Wait. You know, really yeah. honest with yourself. Really authentic. Don't try and be inauthentic. I'm having a bad day, but I'll try and have a good one. Right. Be authentic. I dare you. I'm having a bad day. And is that okay? Fuck yeah. What is it right now? Let me sit with myself. Let me put my hand on my belly, yeah. on my womb. Let's see what, what, what's on, what do you need right now? Maybe I just need a sleep. Yeah. You're sleep deprived. It could be anything. It could be simple. Talk to it. And you believe that when you don't resist it, eventually it will shift. You won't be stuck there. Yes, and don't lean into it with the desire of the results. Mm. Don't be goal-oriented. This is a very feminine way. It's difficult. It's really about leaning in and I don't care if this shifts or not because I love you unapolo- like unconditionally. Yeah. Because if you, I'll love you now because I know you'll leave later. Right. Imagine. Yeah. Katie, I love you now because I know you'll leave later. So <laughs> I'm going to just, it's, yeah. I love you now as you are. And however long you need to be the way you are, so much more compassion, so much more unconditional love. And of course, at some point, it won't need to shout and scream anymore because it's got your attention. If you put a kid or a baby in and it's screaming and you just lock him up and go like, I haven't got time for you now. I don't want you to, you think about it. And once you change, you come back. They can keep screaming and kicking and shouting. Uh The baby doesn't disappear or go away, but it's been seen. So it can go quiet again. Mm. It's soothed. Doesn't mean it's disappeared. I got rid of it, thank God. Right. It's just been soothed. It's been heard. Mm. You're so good at articulating things. <laughs> and I feel like we just got into such a great stride. 
and it's already time to go. So we're going to have to do this again. Will you come back on the show? I feel like this oh, was so wonderful. Uh, full body, yes. Okay, great. Let's do some fun quick fire questions. Sure. Just to land, land whilst this. the rain begins yeah. again. Okay. Favorite part of being living in Bali? The culture. Best thing you've eaten in the last week? Oh, uh, cacao. Always cacao. Favorite <laughs> um, place in Bali? Oh, it's so cheesy, but my home. It's beautiful. <laughs> Typical morning ritual and ideal morning ritual? Music really loud. It just like it, it fills up the room and it echoes. Some really beautiful sound healing kind of vibes. Uh, soft movement and a magic potion, <laughs> which is the water that we drink with a lot of intention put in for the shifting of the molecules. I like that. Yeah, the science. We all know that we can shift the molecules yeah. of water. So concentrated. Yeah, exactly. A magic potion is always in your hand, tip of your hand. I'm gonna and, have a sip right now. Yeah. <laughs> And a practice that I've, I've been cultivating from the Mag Magazine Manuscript, a beautiful book that everyone uh -huh. should read, where through our breath, we concentrate on the lower chakras and let it kind of simmer and observe its nature and slowly start bringing it up through your spine. Mm. And a lot of visualization and stuff. Yeah, cool. Um, what about evening rituals? Um, last three things you do before bed. I've been not so good at that, so... Not really good at that, I must say. I'm great. Caught me. You're not perfect. Great. <laughs> I'm not perfect, guys. Greatest lesson on romantic relationships. Greatest lesson. Mm -hmm. When we're triggered, anyone, and the person doesn't even is not even aware, they're already in the reactive loop. Have something settled between you two, like a code, say timeout, mm. and create a container. So this is something I practice with my partner. Whenever there's some, we're under some kind of stress and we're dealing with some kind of old belief system or some trigger, is either we bring it in the near future if we don't have time there and then, or we do it straight away, where we set a container, which is a safe space to be heard and seen. The person that needs to speak the most, that it has, is probably the person mm -hmm. that's reacted, gets to speak until they do not want to speak anymore. <laughs> They're allowed to speak. My cat's walking mm -hmm. all over your laptop. <laughs> oh. Uh -oh. oh, no, I got her <laughs> Poured the water over her. <laughs> it's raining everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God, water everywhere. <laughs> Let the person speak until they feel completely heard. They have nothing else to speak, and then they can pass it on to the next oh, person. Yeah. But before the next person speaks, there's like a minute of silence. Mm -hmm. The person needs to receive it. Because what happens is when they're talking, there's loads of answers and solutions right. and things you want to talk back at them. You've got to let them go. Let them go, be completely present. And once they stop, you still, be, you still stay present. You yeah. still absorb it with every pore and vessel of your body. And then you can start speaking. And then you speak until you don't want to speak anymore. And you keep passing it to each other until you both feel complete and clear with whatever was coming through. Owning your projections, knowing yeah. that the reactive nature that you're feeling has got nothing to do with what they've done. It's just yeah. activating and catalyzing something within you that needs to be heard and seen. Mm. Taking full responsibility. Yeah. But there's always something for the other to learn. This is the, the funny thing yeah. of the vibrational match. There's, there's, currently with my partner, um, we've gone through this. He, has, he had, had a fear of rejection and I had a fear of getting too close mm. or a habit of running. How, what a beautiful match, right? Right. And so to sit on that, when he's talking about his feelings of rejection, he's owning up to it. But at the same time, what I'm observing is like, that's interesting. 
there's yeah. this part, there's this story of mine that matches yours. Right. And yeah, there's so so much more. Oh, that's those so are the, good. The, yeah. Okay, greatest lesson on friendship. Not judge. Allow the person to be fully themselves mm. because they get to light up and you get to see parts of them. That is such an honor. Mm. It's such a beautiful thing to be able to see them all. Give them space to express, to be seen. So good. Um, okay, before we do the final deep let it out breath together, Ooh. anything you want to recommend, book, music, podcast, food, TV show, movie, this is the time to recommend anything. Like, just don't overthink it, whatever comes to mind. Well, the two books that I've already mentioned, I'll tell you know, the women who run with the wolves and the, the Magdalene manuscript are the two two books that I'd recommend right now. Yeah, I can't cool. think of them. Great. Just, yeah. Cool. Is there anything else that you wish that I would have asked you that you really wanted to talk about that you didn't get to? I couldn't think of anything. I feel so um, enchanted and alive right now that um, I feel complete. Maybe something will show up later. It would be great for and you'll next come back. time. Great. Yeah, I, feel, great. I feel really, really fulfilled. Okay, well, we end by letting out a deep breath together. Ready? Brilliant. Okay. Yes. Inhale. Exhale, let it out. Ah. Ah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. First podcast. Okay. That was my episode with Gabriella. I think she's the best. I think you're the best for listening all the way to the end. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you loved her, get into her. Follow her on social media, on Instagram. I do. She's lovely. Tell her I sent you. Also, she did, this was the first podcast that she ever did, which was super cool and a big honor. But since then, her episode with my friends, our friends in this family, Kristen and Natalie, who we love, who have been on my podcast multiple times, they had her on as well. And their episode is aired on the Create Podcast too. So if you want to listen to more of Gabriella, head over there and listen to that episode. The emoji for this week's episode, I will tell you in a second, but just quick little announcements. If you love this podcast, support the sponsors. It helps so much so I can keep doing it. I really genuinely love the sponsors that we have on the show. Quick update about Spiraling. It's coming back very soon. I'm still in Australia right now, but Spiraling is around the corner. If you have questions for Serena and I, send them to spiralingcommunity at gmail.com and we will answer them on the show. I'm really excited about this season. And if you are in LA, I'm going to be there soon. Maybe let's hang out. (laughs) And also let a podcast out. If you want to start a podcast, I would love to help you. Link is in the show notes to sign up. I hope you can I hope you can make it this workshop round. I think it's going to be a really special one. And last but not least, speaking of social media, or I'm not sure if we were speaking about it, but we're speaking about it now because Let It Out has an Instagram, you guys, and I love it. It's my favorite place on Instagram right now. I run it. It's really cool, I think. And I'm starting a new thing where I'm having all of the guests on the podcast, starting with last week's Jules from Good Move, who hopefully you heard that episode. It's one of my favorites. She took over the Instagram last week. Gabriella is going to take over the Instagram. So 
it's really cool to follow it. If you like these guests, you can see their day. You can see what they're doing. They'll do an ask me anything. If you want more to ask them more questions, follow, let it out. It would mean so much to me. I love that account. We do a monthly theme in January. The theme was intimacy and our visual content was around that theme. And there were journaling prompts around that theme. And I wrote captions around that theme. In February, it was moving from heart sick to heart well. And we talked about heartbreak and breakups and a lot of the concepts in the soothe kit and the solve kit. And then because I was working on that and I just wanted to support people in that way. And then this month, March, our theme is evolve, growth, change, pivoting. It's really cool. Developing gradually. And that's what I'm posting about and sharing about. And I really would love it if you checked out that Instagram and followed it if it felt like something that was fun to you, but definitely check out the guests and I love you guys. I'm so grateful that you're listening. The emoji for this week's episode is the moon. It's the dark circle new moon, the newest of the new. If we have used that before and you can tell me what episode it was, I will send you a copy of my book. I'll Amazon it to you. I don't think I have, but again, there's 300 of these. I'm starting to not remember them anymore. I was recently with someone and they were reading Elisa Vitti's book, the one about hormones and our periods and cycles. And it's a very cool book. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. I haven't thought about that book in a while. And she was like, I found out about this book because you had Elisa Vitti on the podcast. And I was like, oh my God, I did. And I totally forgotten. Not that she's not memorable. It's just 300 of these. I don't even think my grandmother knew 300 people in her lifetime. (laughs) So anyway, start a podcast. Maybe it's great. (laughs) You can talk to 300 people. I love you. Thank you for listening. Tweet the emoji. If you're new here, you don't even know what the emoji is. The emoji is something that I use to have you let me know that you're listening all the way to the very, very bitter end, like right now. So you can comment it on my social media and tag Gabriella, vice versa, and just let us know that you're you're here. It means so much. Today's episode is brought to you by Cured. Cured is this company that I love in Boulder, Colorado, that maybe you've heard of or heard me talk about on the show, but they make these hemp-derived CBD products, and I love them. They are this really cool company. I got to meet the founders, and they have this farm-to-product business model that is really, really cool. Their full-spectrum tinctures and treats work with your body's natural system to produce clear benefits without the worry of a psychoactive component. And not many other companies are really thriving with this in-house farm-to-table business model. And Cured is doing well. CBD is most commonly incorporated into wellness routines to improve sleep, decrease inflammation, and reduce the body's stress load. I think we could all use that. There's honestly so many brands out there now, but I really genuinely love this company a lot. The CEO started using Cured's full-spectrum CBD oil on his dog, actually, to ease their distress and support the seizures that they were having. And so I I just think that's really cool that it can be used with pets. And anyway, it's a household staple for people of all ages. And again, pets too. I love their cookie dough snack. It tastes so good. You guys, if you haven't had it, it's really so good. And like I said, I got to meet them when I was in Boulder a couple months ago, actually a year ago, and we've kept in touch and they're just really great people. And I don't know why, but I really think that helps make the snacks better. So if you're interested in trying out Cured Nutrition, again, my favorite is the cookie dough, but get whatever you want. Go to curednutrition.com. That's curednutrition.com and use the coupon code, let it out for 15% off any order. Again, that's 
curednutrition.com and use the code let it out for 15% off any order. That link is in the show notes. Be on our show notes, let it out, let our list, and that'll come right to you. Check them out. Use the code. Thank you, Cured. Thank you for supporting our sponsors and for listening. Oh, one last housekeeping thing I forgot to tell you. I've been getting a lot of questions about where did Likes and Learns go? You went away for a while and then you came back, but Likes and Learns haven't made it back to the show. And if you're new, Likes and Learns were at the end of every episode, I would say one thing I was liking and one thing I was learning. And here's the thing, you guys, I've been traveling for the last two months. What haven't I been learning and what haven't I been liking? That's the main question. I'm doing a new thing where I will probably start sharing them on the show more. And I might even make exclusive episodes to share these things more. But the episodes were getting really long and I was procrastinating doing my intros more and more because I was like, what do I like? What have I learned? And there are so many things and how do I choose? So what I'm doing is I'm putting one thing that I like and one or one thing that I learn at the bottom of every newsletter that goes out. So if you want to be on the Let It Out letter where you get the show notes sent to you and other updates, make sure you're there because at the very bottom, I do a personal update and I put those things there now. So that's the update with that more soon. And I think I'll put them in next week's episode. Okay. Talk to you next week. Check out all the things. Love you. Bye.